and welcome back to the 6am run podcast and yes your ears are not deceiving you this is a different voice because there's a different host to the 6am run podcast my name is mark paisant i'm a 6am ambassador and i am the new host going forward of this amazing show with these amazing guests and amazing listeners so i appreciate you being a part of this show and before we get into it, just know that this podcast is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com, where you can go to find out what is the best running nutrition supplement in the world with over 10,000 five-star reviews. Go to the website 6AMRun.com for a chance to sign up and become a subscriber for 20% off of your first purchase. So let's get into it. We have an amazing show this week. I'm going to let her introduce herself, but we have the amazing Miss Cheryl Ilove on the show, and she is a physical therapist, but a lot more than that, but I'm going to let her explain that. So Cheryl, thank you so much for being a part of the show this week. Go ahead and kind of introduce yourself for everybody. Okie dokie. First, I want to say, Mark, thank you so much for having me on the show. And uh, especially since this is your maiden voyage. Yes, it is. So it's very exciting. So yes, I am a physical therapist. Sometimes I refer to myself as a recovering physical therapist, but that's because I have a little snarky sense of humor. PT is actually my second career. I started my career as an adult as a respiratory therapist. So that's what I got my bachelor's degree in a long time ago. I won't tell you how long ago. And okay. I worked as a respiratory therapist in all like the critical care units, uh, emergency room, life support. You know, it was really an intense environment and a very intense career. I really loved it after I got over the shock of what I was going to be doing because I didn't realize that's what a respiratory therapist did. But it was a really good career and I was getting restless. I wanted to change. I wanted to do something that I thought would be a little bit more positive, life affirming, you know, rather than being in that life and death situation every single day. And I thought the physical therapy would be an awesome fit for me because I'm a dancer. Of course, I started dancing late in life for dance. I started taking ballet when I was 20 years old. So that's actually quite old to start ballet. I also discovered Pilates shortly after that. I was a downhill skier, so I was a very active person. And I thought, you know, with my medical background, it would be a natural segue to go into something like PT. And I thought I could work with other dancers and help keep them healthy. And to get into physical therapy school itself was actually really grueling. If you know of anybody who's tried, it's almost like they call it a mini medical school. So it was very, very competitive. I had to take, even though I had a bachelor's degree in a science and biology-based degree, I still had to go back and take more prerequisites, had to get really good grades, had to get a really good grade on my GSAT and had to have all of these recommendations. It was really brutal. And I didn't even get in. I didn't get an interview even the first time I applied to the PT school here in Colorado. I wasn't willing to go anywhere else like out of state because to me that was just cost prohibitive. I wanted to stay in Denver. So the second time I applied, I did get into PT school. And once I got in and once I graduated, I made an incredible discovery. I absolutely hated it. 
Did you <laughs> did you really hate it? I really did hate it. I hated doing the traditional physical therapy work. When I graduated from PT school, the profession was going into kind of like a slump. There were too many PTs, not enough jobs. There were a lot of changes in the insurance requirements and Medicare and, you know, all of the other insurance companies too. So it was an incredibly difficult work environment to be in. And I ended up getting a job that I absolutely hated. The pay was much less than Mm -hmm. we were told that it would be. Again, my timing was just really bad, but I managed to turn it around and make it something positive that actually worked out for me. Well, Cheryl, thank you for that. And I'm glad that you found exactly what you wanted and what made you happy. But there's a lot more to this than you're telling us. Now, I think there's a little bit of, is it Japanese martial arts that you've gotten yourself into? Is that correct? That is correct. And that came, I began training in an ancient Japanese martial art called Ninpo Taijutsu, the art of the ninja. And I began my training at the tender young age of 47. Tender young age of 47. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Well, I will have to confess that I did not go willingly. And I never heard of this Nimpo Taijutsu. My father was a martial artist. He had a black belt in karate, and he started training in karate probably at the time he was, I think, about 40 years old. About the time that my younger sister was born, by that time he had four girls, and then he had a, my mom had another one later. So I guess with all of those girls, he felt he needed a few skills to protect them. And he used to try and get my sisters and I to go to the gym and, you know, work out with him so we could learn some things. It's like, oh God, that's never going to happen. And especially me, out of all my sisters, I'm the really fussy one. I'm a very fussy girl. I, you know, ballet, Pilates, pedicures, you know, tutus, toe shoes, all of those things. That's kind of my jam. And martial arts was never on my radar and certainly not in my DNA. Well, when I was 44, one of my clients recommended an acupuncturist. It was somebody that she was going to, and he was doing something also called a shiatsu, which is a Japanese kind of massage. And she said, oh, you would just love this guy. He's really good at what he does. And, you know, give him a try. So I did. So I went to him the very first time I met him you know, and he's explaining what he's going to do. And of course, I've had a ton of acupuncture in my lifetime. It is a wonderful modality for healing a variety of different things. And so, you know, we went through the whole process and he started putting needles in my legs. Oh, wow. And as he was doing that, he got a really far away look on his face. And he said, you know, with your legs and my coaching, I could teach you how to kill with these things. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I thought, I'm laying there, literally pinned to the table, and I'm thinking, oh my God, who thinks like this, Mm. let alone says it out loud? Wow. And I'm looking for my purse, thinking I'm going to grab my purse and run, but of course I was literally pinned to the table, so I wasn't going anywhere. And I thought, this guy must be nuts, but he, he seems like he knows what he's doing. And I just said, thank you. I have absolutely no desire to take martial arts, but thanks for asking. You know, I'll save my killer legs for ballet class. Well, I kept going to him for treatments. And every time I would go to him, he would start talking about his art, the art of the ninja. 
you know, the training, how wonderful it is. And he kept trying to get me to train with him. And I kept saying, no, that's never going to happen because I had no interest or no desire. But what he didn't know was just a few months before I met him, I had had a really traumatic experience. And sometimes as trauma goes, when I tried to get help, a lot of people were just kind of dismissing me and, oh, come on, that didn't happen. You're exaggerating, blah, 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 blah. So I just kind of stuffed the trauma deep down inside of myself until about a year later, it just came exploding out. Oh, wow. Okay. And when Mark, that's his name, heard my story, his campaign to get me on the mat went into high gear. And he had his, his acupuncture clinic was right next door to his martial arts dojo. So it was like a little duplex. And I kept saying no, because I said, you know, I don't understand how hanging out in a smelly dojo with a bunch of sweaty men, letting them smack me around is going to make me feel any better. And he would say, there is an incredible healing energy and a healing power in martial arts. But I just kept saying no, because it just made no sense to me. It took him another two years. So it was a total of three years. I mean, this guy never gave up. He calls me stubborn. This guy was like (laughs) a dog with a bone. (laughs) So finally, after three years, he wore me down and I said, okay. Plus I was kind of desperate at that point because I was still struggling with the effects of the post-traumatic stress. And I thought maybe I was so desperate for help and for relief. I thought I was willing to try anything, even martial arts. So I said, but I still had my doubts. So I said to him, okay, I will take a few classes just to prove to you how much I'm going to hate it. And 10 years later, I became his first female black belt. That is an absolutely amazing story. I appreciate you sharing it with us. And First of all, congratulations. That's the first <laughs> one. Let's, let's celebrate you right now. And second of all, I think there's a lot of similarities we can pull from basically what you did. And I'm not going to say later in life because we're all living to be 120. So I'm not going to say later in life. But mm-hmm. in your 40s, we, you know, a lot of people may just take up running at that point, may just mm-hmm. take up cycling, swimming. For you to make that move, to do something like that, in your 40s, like trying to go back to that time, like, is there anything like you wish you may have just could have just jumped into it? Is there something you go back and say, man, I don't know why I was so stubborn? Or do you look back and say, you know, it happened the way it was supposed to happen? I think it was the latter. It happened the way it was supposed to happen and when it was supposed to happen. I think that I had to be so desperate and in so much, you know, emotional, and I had a lot of physical pain as well, to be able to take that step and say, here I am, I will try it, and we'll just see what happens. Although, like I said, I still had my doubts, and what really was making me even more nervous and stressed was that because Mark's dojo was right next to his clinic, as I was sitting in his office waiting for him to finish class, A lot of times, you know, I could see his students going in and out and they would either smile at me or wave or whatever. And they were all men. And I thought, I really am uncomfortable being in an environment with all men. I'm used to being in ballet class, which is, you know, 98% women. And the men who do come to ballet class are typically a little more gentle 
than the type who were going to be in the martial arts studio trying to beat me up. So I was really uncomfortable and nervous about that. And Mark assured me, he says, oh no, don't worry. There's a lot of women. I have a lot of female students and a lot of them are even upper belts. They would love to be able to teach you the art of the ninja, take you under their wing and, you know, take you along and mentor you. And silly me, of course, I was thinking, well, I never saw any women coming or going, but I just trusted him that, yeah, he was being, you know, candid with me. Well, my first class, and of course, you can imagine how nervous I was. Of course, I went to ballet class first and came to the noon class. So I had my morning ballet and then I went to the dojo. And not only was I the only woman in class, I was the only girl within like a 10 mile radius. So I was way out of my comfort zone and way out of my element. And I kept looking like, where's the back door? I I just wanted to leave. But, you know, something just amazing happened during that class. Again, I was terrified, but I'm not even sure what it was. But after it was over, when I was driving home, I giggled the entire way home. And I hadn't giggled in a very long time. And there was something about being in the dojo and wearing this thick, heavy gi instead of a little, you know, leotard and tights. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, there was something about it that was so, I want to use the word seductive. That sounds like a great word. (laughs) Sounds like a great word to me to you. That's what it sounds like. It definitely sounds like that. That's kind of what it was like in... Mark would also tell me a lot of times before I started training, he said, there's a very seductive quality, not only about the art, he says, but especially when women do it. So you have that element of seductiveness that, you know, that you could bring into it. And I thought this guy is absolutely out of his freaking mind. But it was that first day I got a little bit of a taste of it. And so my goal when I started training was just to take a few classes, you know, maybe for a month and then quit. I never wanted that black belt. I never even wanted a yellow belt. I didn't even want the white belt, but it came with the uniform, so I had to take it. But I just kept going to class because it made me feel better. It made me feel better physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. Because in that art in particular, I think in a lot of martial arts, there's an incredible amount of spiritual growth and spirituality as you get to understand the history and the philosophy of the art that you're studying. Thank you for going down that route because a lot of people, you know, get into martial arts, they get into weightlifting, get into running because of the physical attributes. And It's not until later that they figure out what it does to them emotionally or mentally. Mm. And if you could just take a little while to explain that part of it, like, yes, you're getting fit. Yes, your muscle memory is learning different things. But what's going through your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health? What does that kind of transition look like? Boy, that's a loaded question, and I'll try and articulate it as best that I can. I think for me and for a lot of other women and men that, you know, because I know I teach a lot of the students 
So I'm 66. I'll be 66 in a few weeks. So I I teach martial arts. I teach self-defense for women. And it's really funny because when a new guy comes walking into the dojo and they see me sitting there, they think, oh, you know, there's a sweet little grandma taking her little, you know, grandkid to class or whatever, somebody's mom. And then I go in the dressing room and I come out wearing that the gi and the black belt. It's like, whoa, you know, it's that shock value. But for me, it was just being in that different environment, as terrifying as it was, I realized how much of me was missing and how much of my personality was starting to come out because, you know, spoiler alert, I love guys and I like male energy. I wasn't just sure about being around, surrounded by men who were supposed to beat me up. So once I kind of got used to that, and of course the men were not used to having such a fussy girl in class. There were women who would come in and out of the dojo, but they were usually a little bit beefier than I am. They were usually a little bit, you know, had more of that tomboy type of energy. And they weren't used to a woman who would say, oh, excuse me, I've got to go fix my makeup or I've got to go put on more lipstick. And it's like, oh, you know, wait a minute, you know, we're fighting here. So it was just learning how to communicate with them and having them communicate with me. And the way that they would start teaching me, especially after I got to like my second or third belt level and they realized finally that I was starting to get serious about this art, they were able to tap into my femininity and my feminine energy and use that to help me become a better, stronger, more powerful martial artist and person at the same time. I mean, that's great to hear. And I noticed you took all this and you put a lot of this in a book and you wrote the book Forever Fit and Flexible, Feeling Fabulous at 50 and Beyond. Mm Kind of go into the genesis of that. Where did that come from? How did you start that? What made you say, hey, I have a lot to give and I want to put it down on paper in a book? Like, How did that start and why did you write that? Well, it first started with my youngest sister uh, kept telling me that I should write a book. And I'm like, you know what? If you think that's such a great idea, why don't you write a book? And she says, well, no, I can't write, but you can. And I'm like, how do you know this? And she goes, well, I read your blog all the time, and blah, blah, blah. So I was going to start with a book about my family history, which is very interesting. I told you a little bit about it before we began recording. But then I thought, you know what? If I'm going to put all that energy and effort into writing a book, I'm going to do something that could help benefit a lot of people and help me grow as a professional. So that's how I came up with the Forever Fit and Flexible, uh, the title and the book. So what I did was I was a physical therapist in private practice. Once I figured out how much I hated traditional PT, I realized, wait a minute, you can go out on your own and do your own thing. So by that time, because I had my master's degree in physical therapy, I had the dance background, I had a Pilates background, I had gone through two different professional Pilates training programs. I just thought, I'll just go out on my own. So I opened up my own office specializing in Pilates-based rehab and conditioning. And then along the way, as my practice grew, I added something else called Feldenkrais, which is a very highly specialized movement modality. So that's basically what I did. And I realized that, you know, I was helping people. I didn't fix people. And I would tell them that when they came to me, like, I will not heal you. I will not fix you. 
I will teach you how to heal yourself. Mm. Because when I was in my mid-30s, I was a chronic pain patient. And I lived that life for two and a half years until finally one of my doctors told me I would never be able to do my grocery shopping and my laundry in the same day because the arthritis in my spine was so severe I would end up being bedridden. And I looked at her and it was like I was confused, like she was speaking another language. I didn't understand. And I says, you don't understand. I'm planning on going back to ballet class. And she laughed in my face. And she said, no, you don't understand. You are a chronic pain patient. You will always be a chronic pain patient. You will never have the life you wanted. You will never have the life you had before. And I want you to start applying for disability because you are going to need it. I was 36 at the time. So that launched me on this healing journey and discovery. Of course, I went home and hit rock bottom for a couple of days and I just came out of it. I says, you know what? This is up to me. I have to figure this out on my own. They are not only not helping me, they're making me worse. So I fired my entire medical team. I stopped taking all the medications and I started paying attention to my movement patterns, to the sensations that went through my body as I was doing movements. And basically I re-educated myself and taught myself how to heal. And within eight months, I was out of pain. The only other thing I added at that point was acupuncture. So I wanted to take all of these techniques that I used to help myself. I was using those same things, teaching them to my clients. And I realized I could reach a much broader population if I put it in a book. So that's how the whole thing started. I wrote the book. I published it in July, June or July of 16, 2016. And it did, it's still doing very well. It earned um, two awards and became a bestseller on Amazon in a couple of categories for a while, which is a huge thing. But in that book, I also teach, it's not about, you know, some people are runners, some people go to the gym, some people, you know, like to lift weights. I'm a physical therapist who hates exercise and thinks that chocolate is food, but I love to move. And I think that there are a lot of people out there who have that same type of philosophy. Maybe they've tried running and their knees couldn't handle it, or they don't like going to the gym, but they love either dancing or hiking or other things that can get them moving in a way to keep them healthy and physically fit and flexible their entire lives. But then when they get an injury, they have to kind of backtrack. And a lot of times, especially as maturing adults, let's put it that way. If we have an injury and we go to the doctor, a lot of times we're told, well, what do you expect? You know, you're 50 years Mm -hmm. old. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing ballet at your age. You shouldn't be skiing anymore. Uh, You shouldn't be playing basketball. But if that's what you really want to do, there is a way that you can do it during the entire course of your life. So sometimes I think the things that we hear from the medical experts, the fitness experts, society, the media, our friends, our family. You're too old to do certain things. You need to stop. You need to slow down. That's not true. So in my book, I address things like mindset, attitude, philosophy, mobilizing your joints instead of like stretching the muscles, mobilize the joints first. And I do it in a way that really embodies the mind-body connection. So in the book, I also have a program in there that the readers can 
uh, you know, start some movement explorations. I don't say exercise, they're explorations on their own. So they can start uh, developing that mind-body connection and really understand somatic movement for themselves. That was a long answer. Yeah, no, no, but it's it's amazing all the things you just kind of talked about because I was literally having these conversations with friends in the past probably 72 hours where, you know, last week on my other show, and I'll plug it real quick, relatively normal, it's about mental health and well-being. You know, I kind of talked about reframing how we look at certain things in life. And Mm. I was literally talking to a friend today about how archaic some of our fitness, you know, not requirements, but maybe fitness goals that are set out for us. Like the first thing, if you go to a doctor, if you feel like you're overweight, the first thing the doctor is going to say about almost 90% of ailments, why don't you drop a few pounds, you know, Mm -hmm. or I think our generations were so just into using physical fitness, using sport, running, training, whatever, just for numbers on a scale. Like Mm -hmm. we didn't look at it as happiness. We didn't look at it as joy, doing something that you love. You know, we didn't look at it as movement, as, hey, Mm -hmm. I like to dance. You know, I may like to go out and just have the sunshine. Well, put your AirPods in and just enjoy a good song and and dance right Mm -hmm. now. And I think what you're saying, and I think it is a great message, is let's reframe how you think about fitness, how you think about ailments, how you think about chronic pain. Let's do things to get you mobile. Let's do things to make you happy. And it does not matter what age you are mm-hmm. to, to not only do this, but to start. Because I don't know how many people I've run into. I, I started running in my 30s. And you know, I just wanted to do it because I wanted to lose weight. I had no idea I'd fall in love with it. I had mm-hmm. no idea I'd fall in love with it. And it's caused me some injuries, caused me some surgeries, but I've no part of me ever wanted people have said, Hey, Mark, you should do swimming. Hey, Mark, you should do this. Or, Hey, Mark, you should ride a bike. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of those things. I want to run. And I'm very fortunate that I had medical professionals that did not tell me the same thing that your medical, because I'll tell you right now, if someone told me that in my 30s, I might have just wrapped it up, went and got some cookies and cream, Netflix didn't, and been, you know, 100 pounds heavier right now. But I, I commend your kind of reframing what that doctor told you. And, you know, how do you kind of, like, if someone comes to you now and, and gives you that same story, they say, I'll never be able to walk in my 50s, or I can't dance, or I can't run. What's just a few things you kind of tell people to kind of get their spirits up and let them know, hey, there is a possibility that you can do these things. Well, you know, first of all, I just give them the Reader's Digest version of my story. And then I tell them, you know, you can do whatever you want. We just have to find the right pathway to get there. And I just want to backtrack about, you know, your story and what you were saying that, you know, people would tell you, oh, you shouldn't run. You should do what, you know, do a bike. You should do this. You should do that. Everybody's an expert, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Isn't it lovely how they can tell you what you should and should not do? Yeah, amazing. I mean, they, none of them live my life, but they know exactly what I should do. Exactly. And that is something for me. Um, my personality, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just I got, you know, the spirit of a fighter in me. 
Those are the words that just light me up. It's like, oh, you tell me I shouldn't do that? Well, just watch me. And that's another thing too. If somebody comes to me, I had a a client and I didn't even realize that she had been a dancer, you know, because she never mentioned it. But she was talking how, you know, she she wanted to get back to yoga and because of her jaw injury and, you know, the surgery and they, you know, I'm using air quotes, they, I don't know, these like capital letters, they told her she couldn't do yoga, she couldn't do this and blah, blah, blah. And I said, do you want to do yoga? And she says, well, I can't. They told me I can't. I said, I'm not asking you that. Do you want to? And she said, I would love to. And I said, well, then let's start working on that. And that's what we're going to focus on. So it wasn't like, okay, boom, let's do these uh, yoga poses right away. So we just used that as a goal and did the work, you know, toward that one goal for her. And then when she says, oh yeah, I used to do ballet. And I says, you did? And she goes, oh, I loved it, blah, blah, blah. And she, now she was in her early forties. And I said, would you like to do that? Oh, I couldn't do that. I'll just have to settle for yoga. And I says, Wendy, you don't have to settle for anything. And I'm telling you, she was one of my big success stories because not only did she get back into doing some yoga, she got back into ballet class and she and I would end up in ballet class together three times a week. It was wonderful. That is just great to hear. And before we wrap up, first, I want to say this has been just an amazing experience. I appreciate your your time today, but I before I get you to plug, you know, your book and how people can get in contact with you, I want to just get you to give us, you know, your three quick tips on just vitality at every stage of life. What are three quick things that you want people to know about that? First of all, the first thing you do is you tune out the naysayers. Don't listen to any of the garbage that they're telling you that you're too old to do anything or, you know, you should be doing this instead. Put down the basketball and start golfing. You know, don't listen to them. Change your mindset. Only listen to the positive. Surround yourself with positive people and look at the people who are your age and older who are doing wonderful things and make that your mentor. Make that your, you know, look at them as role models. That's the first thing. The second thing, and it's going to sound kind of corny, but make sure that you work on your posture. As I'm hunched over in my chair, as I'm speaking (laughs) to you, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Lift your chest. And it's not when you're working on your posture, don't do some of those crazy maneuvers of, you know, like the squeeze your shoulders together, squeeze your butt, suck in your tummy, lift your head. No, just find that natural, neutral posture that's good for you. And the best way you can do that is it sounds so corny. Put a book on your head and walk around with a book on your head a couple times a day practice sitting in a chair and getting back up with that book on your head. You can even practice getting down on the floor and back up with a book on your head. That will do wonders for your posture. Another thing you can do is, ah, I just said it, get down on the floor. Everybody needs to get down on the floor and back up again at least once or twice a day, because that is one thing that's going to help the most to keep you, you know, with your balance, your flexibility, and your fitness. As you're going forward, and continue maturing. Those are three quick things. That is great. And Cheryl, I love this has been great. So again, author, speaker, physical therapist, non-classical physical therapist, maybe (laughs) your own type of PT, martial artist, dancer, former chronic patient. How do people get in contact with you? How do they find out more about you online? 
You can go to my website, which is simply CherylILove.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, you have access to download three audio recordings. I call them Meditation Through Movement, and it really helps you get that mind-body connection so you can download those and then unsubscribe if you don't like the newsletter. But they're only 20 minutes long, and it's based on the specific work that I do, which is called Feldenkrais. Uh, So you can do that. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and that's about it. And you can find me on Amazon. I do have the book Forever Fit and Flexible, Feeling Fabulous at 50 and Beyond. And my second book was just published in March. And that one is called The Reluctant Ninja, How a Middle-Aged Princess (laughs) Became a Warrior Queen. So you can take that roller coaster ride with me from the first day I walked into the dojo to pretty much current day. Awesome. Thank you so much. And as always, this show is sponsored by 6AM Run. Go to 6AMRun.com for your choice of the best running supplements on the planet. You can go there and sign up to get 20% off your first order. Cheryl, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. And I'm just really honored to be, you know, your first guest on this maiden voyage for you of uh, doing your recordings. I appreciate it. You have a good one, okay? You too. Thanks a lot.